Thank you for tuning in to How to Survive in America. I'm your host, Robert Jenkins, and this is episode seven. This week's guest is my dear friend, Robin Miner Schwartz. She is a writer and former journalist with the Lansing State Journal, who now owns her own editing and consulting firm. Um, she's agreed to talk with us about journalistic integrity, how to spot biased bullshit news sources, and how to use the internet for searches to find the stuff that you're actually looking for. I learned a lot from our conversation, and I hope you will too. This uh, this guest for this episode of the podcast is um, one of my dear friends. Uh, I've known her. Uh, ma- she's maybe the longest uh, in my adult life since I've been uh, uh, living in Lansing. Actually, I knew her before we went to, before I moved to Lansing. Um, She's she's a journalist. She's a former journal, journalist. She's a um, a communications guru. <laughs> um, she's somebody that uh, is very knowledgeable and but very easygoing and extremely intelligent. And I'm very thankful to have her on uh, my podcast. Uh, everybody, this is Robin Miner Schwartz. Say hi, Robin. Hi, Robert. Hi, everybody. I'm hey. I can't believe I'm like your oldest friend here. That's so yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> like you know, because we moved here in 2009. That's right. That's you right. Know, and, uh, you know, I got my job uh, in 2008. Then we moved here and like, yeah, we started hanging out pretty quick. Yeah. You know, through, through I mean, as context, our wives work yeah. together. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I met through them and yeah, it's been cool ever since. You know yes, what I mean? Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so thank you again for agreeing to do this. My pleasure. Uh, I've been yeah. excited all week. <laughs> oh, great. 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 Um, so Let's, you know, a bit of a background. Uh, what is your background, like educational and professional wise? Sure. Um, I grew up in East Lansing and went to uh, LCC in Michigan State, and I got my degree in journalism. Um, I actually started working at the Lansing State Journal while I was a student at LCC. I was freelancing, um, reviewing plays and musicals and concerts. Um, I tell everybody that I actually got to review Millie Vanilli when they still <laughs> toured. Oh, they shit. were at the Breslin Center. I actually wrote that they were lip syncing. I just didn't know it wasn't their voices. Oh, hell. <laughs> <laughs> Side note. Um, but so I've, I've always wanted to be a writer. Um, I started, you know, a, an eighth grade newspaper and all that kind of stuff. So I okay. really always saw myself as a journalist. And so I started working for the State Journal while I was in college and got hired out of school. Um, and I, I like to frame it as I spent 17 years with an LSJ byline, um, everything from a, from a freelance stringer reporter up through, I was running the features department when I left in 2010. Nice. Um, the things people usually like to talk most with me about from that time are my stint as a film critic and a restaurant critic, because everybody has opinions about movies and restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And then I left that because the newspaper industry, you know, got got a little squidgy back Mm -hmm. in 2008, 2009. So I started looking for a new job then and left in 2010 to go into community philanthropy, um, where I was doing marketing and communications for our local community foundation. And then I realized I missed journalism. And I really wanted to get back to some kind of production of, of content. And so I went out on my own. And it's been four years now uh, mm-hmm. that I'm out on my own as a communications consultant and editor. And I love it. I get to still tell stories and, and write content for a whole lot of different clients and publications. And I get to just work with really great people in the community. Um, found out I really love strategic planning. So <laughs> I somehow <laughs> got into that too. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I like to find ways to help people tell their stories because nice. I think that um, everybody's got really interesting stories. They just maybe don't necessarily know how to promote themselves and talk about them. So that's what awesome. I do. And what's the name of your company? Uh, Minor Sports Editing and Consulting. There you go. There <laughs> yeah. you go. It's crazy because I watched you when you went out on your own and it was like, you know how sometimes people start their own business and you look at all the challenges and you're like, man, that's going to be tough. Like, (laughs) it's going to be hard. I didn't worry about that. Oh, thank you. I was like, okay. Yeah. All right. So now she's her own boss. And you know, and, and good timing because I was now set up to work at home. There you go. (laughs) Hey, good. (laughs) Hey. Living the dream, making it work. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's been a, it's definite learning curve. I mean, I, when I was 11, 
I thought you retired from the newsroom when you were 65 and they gave you a gold watch and you went on your way. And now to be on career number three is very yeah. jarring. But yeah. what I'm finding is these skills, these journalism skills in particular, really do translate into all of these different spaces. So I've right. been uh, having a lot of fun putting them to work in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So what's some of the stuff you're working on now? Um, a variety of things. I do. Uh, I'm the managing editor of Central Michigan's alumni magazine. I write website content for, uh, for businesses, for uh, other foundations, for other community foundations. I uh, am putting together a, a storytelling magazine project for WKAR right now. Um, just a whole lot of different kinds of things. I also edit content for a lot of clients who, you know, they need articles or blog posts edited or a lot of um, academic materials from higher ed, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. It's different every day. And honestly, that's what I enjoyed about journalism. So it makes mm -hmm. it fun to do that. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And so, so the, the reason, the main reason I brought you on, so you've heard some of the episodes, you heard the podcast. So you everyone. <laughs> well, well, okay. I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna say that part. I but I gonna, like you. Yeah. So that's why I'll, I'll well, say it. <laughs> well, well, thank you. Thank you. So, the, you know, the basic premise is we're just trying to work on these skills of, you know, should the worst happen? Mm -hmm. Like, how can you trust the information that you get on the internet and or social media and all these other places? Because everything we do now is in the cloud, it seems like. Mm -hmm. And the, it's, it's vital, I think, for people to understand kind of how social media works and how propaganda works and mm -hmm. how to safeguard themselves, how to find basic uh, information that they can trust, ways to protect themselves so they don't end up, you know, clicking on something and it comes back to bite them in the ass a year later. So mm -hmm. like one thing people complain about is objectivity. People say news media is biased. Mm -hmm. You know, don't trust this. Don't ever trust Fox. Fuck that. Well, given, <laughs> yes. Time out, time out, time out. Don't trust right. Fox. Okay, now time back in. Um, can you talk a little bit about objectivity in the media and like the, kind of the notion of bias? Yeah, absolutely. So perfect place to start. There's no such thing as perfect objectivity. In fact, the Society of Professional Journalists eliminated objectivity from its code of ethics two decades ago. So we mm. all have personal biases. We have opinions. We have viewpoints. Good journalists work hard to be neutral and fair and impartial in the work they're doing. They work hard to ask questions that try to look at the bigger picture and balance things. That The concept, unfortunately, of both sides has become a really bad phrase lately, and, and it's being used terribly in, in certain settings. But fair and impartial journalists are trying to examine other sides of stories. They're not trying to then say, it, it's like the, there's no perfect like climate change, yes or no. Like the, there are some mm -hmm. issues where there is no balance to it. There is only one answer, mm -hmm. but they are trying to be neutral and fair and impartial in the way they're bringing that information forward. So it's easy to blame okay. the media for everything, to be yelling fake news when you don't agree with what you're seeing or hearing. But what it comes down to is personal responsibility. That's a thing. It's on us to be skeptical and ask why right. about the news that we're consuming. Okay. So when you say they try to be impartial and fair, you mean like in your approach to writing a story. So you might, your methods are impartial and fair. Like you might look at the broader scope but you don't color the facts. Like if the facts say one thing, then they just, that's what they yes. say. Yeah. Do I understand yes. correctly? Yes, you've got to okay. present it in an honest way. Yeah. I mean, the way okay. I, I think about it sometimes is I am a huge Obama fangirl. I also recognize he was not a perfect president, but that part of me that wants to ignore the stuff that I don't want to talk about or think about where he maybe wasn't perfect for that time, that's the part where journalists have to look at it and say, here are the things that you need to know and, and state them as facts, not to color them with opinions or to slant the information in one way or another. It's simply presenting the facts as they are. Okay. okay. That, when you describe it like that, that makes pretty good sense. I mean, there's, there's still some sort of, there has to be some sort of ethics or mm -hmm. some sort of code to what we put out here. Yep. Um, so, so let's talk a bit about how to find like, a bias like when you 
your typical article, typical news article, maybe about Congress, maybe about, I don't know, city council, whatever. What are some of the things that you should ask yourself when you begin to read an article? Good question. You should ask yourself who's benefiting from that article in terms of who it's being delivered to you by, uh, the news organization, the reporter. Um, is there an agenda behind the source that's delivering that news to you? So some clear examples um, of no benefit are organizations like ProPublica, which is an independent nonprofit newsroom. So they don't even have sponsors or, or advertisers or, or anybody who's trying to buy influence in any way or another. NPR and PBS are another example of that. Pointer, um, which puts out something called the Pointer Report Daily Newsletter. It discusses what's shaping the media landscape. It's another nonprofit and it's really kind of the gold standard um, for, for looking at journalism in a professional way. And then on the other mm -hmm. side of that coin, you have who, the, the people who are trying to benefit and get a benefit out of their coverage. So political parties or candidates, advocacy journalism, such as you know Fox News, clearly, but also Breitbart, MSNBC is advocacy journalism, um, The Daily Coast, those, those people who are coming with a clear agenda and opinion about things, they have a perspective and they are working to tell the story that supports that. They may be skewing the presentation of facts to match their narrative or agenda. You can still agree with it and or the information can still be accurate coming in, in pieces from those sources too. But you have to think about, well, okay, you, you want me to think that. Why? Is there other information you're not sharing with me? Okay. Okay. So let's take, you know, what are some of the warning signs? What are some red flags that people can, can see when they look at an article that might give it away? So look at the URL. A lot of times we're clicking on links that are taking us from Facebook or from other sources and we think we know where we're going. You might have clicked on a link that you think is taking you to abc.com, but if you look at the URL, you've really landed on abc.com.co. That's a new thing lately. They're skewing the presentation. Um, they're spoofing news sites trying to make it look like real news, but then they are altering the content of the story. Um, one of the examples I really like, uh, a meme showed up for me recently that said, you know, your parents in 1986, don't trust anyone on the internet. Your parents in 2016, freedomeagle.facebook says Hillary invented AIDS. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of the, Freedom that's, Eagle. The, that's the problem when you start to see this is, you know, you may be at a website that's telling you something you want to know, but if the information feels too good to be true, it really probably is. So check on those sources, check your gut. Are there way too many all caps in the headline or in the story itself? Are there lots of uh, ads on either side of the content and you've got to click through 22 next pages to get you to the actual meat of the story. You know, that's another red flag. Um, but you also should remember that news organizations get fooled sometimes too. I don't know if you saw just this week, Fox News got fooled again, uh, or late last week. They were thinking that um, the recounting of a Monty Python sketch was actual news yeah, I saw coming that. out of the Capitol Autonomous Zone. So see. You know, with them, it's like nobody reads anything and they probably don't know jack shit about Monty right. Python. <laughs> so it doesn't shock me. Like, it's just, it, it doesn't yeah. shock me. That, that it was funny, it was. but yeah, it's funny as shit, but it doesn't shock me. But the other side of um, that, though, and I have to remind myself of this because it's really easy to pick on those examples when you don't agree with them and when also they're so rampant. But I also know that my some of my older liberal friends and relatives are quick to believe outlets like Occupy Democrat, you know, and so again, because you want something to be true doesn't mean the story is always true. It's like what you're seeing in political mm -hmm. ads on television, same thing. So, it, you know, both sides, again, both sides, but, you know, both mm -hmm. sides in this situation will do that to, to the viewers. Okay. okay. So let's talk for a second about um, critical thinking skills. Like you said, if you look at an article, you say, okay, who does this benefit? Why? Can we take, can we deconstruct that for a second and take that like a step mm -hmm. further? So think about when you are being given, well, COVID-19 has given us a lot of examples of that, I think. Um, okay. And there have been conflicting messages coming out of the administration 
and out of the the scientists in in positions attached to the administration who are trying to get different information out and if somebody is telling you that the disease is gone and nobody needs to wear masks and the economy can be open because that benefits the person saying that that people get back mm -hmm. out and feel better about the world being open again then you have to think about what news is being hidden from you what what are you not being told especially when experts at high level highly respected organizations are saying the opposite of it mm -hmm. okay and that's that's something i think that probably a lot of people who might listen to this they get frustrated with because they may depend on scientific you know sources and universities and research institutions for their knowledge but the people around them right and it's frustrating so like is is there anything you would suggest when you come across stuff like that like the you know biased stuff like if your uncle uncle you know i don't know uncle independence you know share some shitty article and it's just blatantly false how would you respond to that do you do you go back at them do you share something that's actually true or sometimes they throw you a softball and make it easy and all you got to do is go to snopes.com and then send them the link to the thing that refutes whatever it is that they've thrown mm -hmm. at you um what i honestly do i keep a word document on my desktop at all times that i paste links into when we're in the midst of whatever the crisis du jour is, and I don't say that to mm -hmm. make light of what we're in the middle of, but whatever is currently top of mind for people mm -hmm. to be able to say, here are the trusted, accurate, factual resources that have this information. You know, this is something you should consider. Um, I think mm -hmm. it, part of the trouble with the science non-believers is you know, science evolves the same way everything evolves. And, you know, think about all the times over the years where it was like, eat sugar, don't eat sugar, eat all the bran. Mm -hmm. No, this is terrible for you now. Like, yes, these things do change because they get mm -hmm. studied differently, examined differently, and there are different impacts over time. But I think at the core, if you are trusting the trusted, who are the ones who are doing this job, not for any personal gain or any benefit, but because this is the work they do and they they know that they need to do this work accurately and and okay. ethically, then that's a great place to start. And you know, you can only lead these folks to this stuff so much. They got to eventually get to mm -hmm. it on their own. Um, my wife was actually saying over the weekend that she feels like with um, both COVID-19 and the racism challenges that we are dealing with right now, people like with the LGBTQ issue, until you know somebody who's affected by it, you don't get it. You don't yeah. understand that. The, the, mm -hmm. So there are a lot of people for whom that is true, that until mm -hmm. you see somebody or know of somebody who experienced COVID-19 and you're like, oh, oh shit, that's real. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, no, I don't need to wear my mask. Yeah, it, it, that's been fascinating to watch mm -hmm. like because i've never seen people march into death so willingly <laughs> like you know like people are dying and it's like the the that's their demographic mm -hmm. like if you if you go to perkins if the perkins is where you hang out or wendy's on sunday right. morning right. like sunday at one you'll be at wendy's stay your ass inside right. But those are the people that are out here. It's, it's so confusing and, and yet not. I mean, I feel like look at where we are now. And of course, these people are behaving this way. Of course, yeah. this is what it's come to. They hate science, yes. right? They can't stand science, but they don't never flout gravity. Nope. Why, don't they, <laughs> why don't they try to like, since you since science is wrong, why don't you fuck with exactly. gravity? Why don't you do exactly. that? Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens then. But no. You know, global warming and pandemics, uh, hogwash. Right, right. Until it ha happens to me personally, it's not a thing. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I'm, I want to talk about is like with kind of the, you know, the minimalization of paper newspapers, of hard copy newspapers, we have the internet, right? We have everything online and everybody's in such a hurry to kind of get the story mm -hmm. out that's something that you find a mm -hmm. lot um can you talk about the dangers in 
taking breaking news and running with it. Yeah, it's terrifying. Um, one of the, the first examples I remember of that is um, when it, Michael Jackson died. Um, I remember mm. seeing a tweet about it and being like, that's not a thing. Also, like, why is a tweet giving me news on this? And, and mm -hmm. I don't, I don't trust this. I and back then you thought more critically when things like that popped up because Twitter was so new and how could this possibly be the breaking news if it hasn't come across the AP wire at work, that kind of thing. Right. Um, but mm -hmm. now there is just this terrifying rush to be first because we have the ability to publish from anywhere, anytime. And viewer and listener and reader metrics are counted so obsessively that everybody wants mm -hmm. to be first with information. So you have to remember, first is almost never right. And it's certainly almost never exactly right. And at the very mm -hmm. least, it's not telling the whole story by a long shot. So pay attention to who's pushing out the information. Is it a source who's on the scene and has witnessed it firsthand? Is it someone who's curating a bunch of unverified tweets? Are they speaking mm -hmm. in absolutes? When the news breaks, even some of the most trusted news organizations are getting information wrong in an effort to get something out there that's anything, that's something. You know, you think mm -hmm. about the helicopter crash that killed Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna in January. Recent yeah. example of terrible rush to report. ABC had to retract a reporter's tweet saying that all four of his daughters were on board that, and killed yeah, with that, them. Awful. That fucked me that up. I ran, awful. I ran out. That fucked me up. I was like, no. I have goosebumps just thinking about it again. It was so terrible. Yeah, it was, I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, just him and his one daughter dying is fucked up. But like when I read it, all, four of them were there. It was like, Ugh. it was overwhelming. It you was know what terrible. I mean? It was terrible. And I was happy. I mean, it's one of those things I was happy they right. were wrong. You know what I mean? I was like happy that they were wrong, but it's still like the initial thing was very devastating. It was terrible. And so, but that happens all the time. Sometimes not something that dramatically devastating, but you know, the, mm -hmm. we, we forget now because there have been so many fewer mass shootings because we've all been locked down. But like anytime mass shooting information happens and the rush to get all of that out there and the misinformation and people then trying mm -hmm. to track them down on Facebook and telling stories about them and no, it's not that guy, it's this guy. And all of yeah. that is just, it's dangerous and scary, but it's very much driven by those metrics that are so important for advertising to be able to, that helps you set your rates for advertising. It, mm -hmm. You know, when you're able to mm -hmm. say, this is the audience I'm able to draw for this. So right. it's scary. Okay. So I got, all right. So I got a question mm -hmm. for you. Um, do you think there will ever come a time when the pendulum will swing back away from being first to we're going to give all our attention to sources that may not be first, but are always right. There are definitely outlets that do that and will continue to do okay. that, but they are definitely not the ones you're seeing in the spotlight ever. I mean, it's, okay. it, 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 it will be the ProPublica's, the, the NPR's, the um, pointers, those kinds of things. Um, okay. and, and honestly, when any of this kind of news breaks, I always just say to myself, I'm not paying attention to this for an entire day because I know that a day from now, the story will be different. It will hopefully be more thorough and researched and accurate. Um, but you just, otherwise, of course you can sit in front of CNN for five hours and watch the same chirons over and over again and seeing the same updates from Wolf Blitzer being harried and upset about everything. And at yeah. some point you just gotta get off that treadmill. Thank you for mentioning that, the waiting a day thing. Actually, that's a very, uh, very good mm -hmm. idea. That's a great idea, actually. I mean, because you, we do get stuck. We get stuck sitting, watching. Yeah. And then it's it's almost by design. Mm -hmm. They're keeping your eyes on it. That, you know, yeah, it's like the same way they showed Trump's empty podium for like an hour right. at, no, hours. It was yeah. multiple hours, Who actually. Who cares? You know, like there's nothing, there's nothing that we can do, you know, with, with those hours that we just give to them. Like, can, do you have any suggestions for what people, how people can break themselves? Start of binging the office. I mean, honestly, that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, okay. because I, so I work from home and I am total, little bit of a, a tangent. Um, I have not been somebody who's comfortable cooking or in the kitchen like ever, but I, in the past few years, I've really developed an interest in it. And now that I'm home, I can actually do that. So I hmm. really enjoy when I'm able to at like four o'clock, 
step away, start a recipe, you know, and so I'm in the kitchen spending a lot of time doing that. And I always had CNN on in the background. And by the time Betsy would get home from work, I would be so wound up and I would just be like mm. yelling about all the things that are happening. I'm yelling at the TV and I'm yelling to tell her about the things I just heard about. And she finally looked at me and she's like, why do you keep doing this to yourself? And I was like, <laughs> you know what? Why? I don't know. It's not like I'm yeah. learning anything new from this. And so literally I was yeah. like, Netflix, what you got? And I did not watch The Office when it was originally on the air. And I was like, I've been meaning okay. to get to that. And so I started binging that and it kept me in a much saner place. And then I could yeah. come back a day later to news sources online, or even if it was CNN a day later, and be able to be like, okay, mm -hmm. what's the story? Right, because they had gotten it all out of their yeah. system by then, yep. right? Yeah. Okay. I found that the stuff that's really important, it'll break through regardless of where you are. Like, you'll find out if it's really real and it really happened, mm -hmm. it will break through everything. Exactly. So, you know, like, that's... I guess I kind of lean on social media for that. Now. And I think we, the, the whole FOMO thing about social media, fear of missing out of whatever content is on Facebook or on Twitter really has leaked into our news consumption in that way too. And so, and that's why we do sit in front of those shows over and over again. And I, you know, I can absolutely tell you that I will watch Rachel Maddow and Lawrence O'Donnell back to back. And they're telling me the exact same thing mm. on those whole two hours. And yet you sit there and watch it. And at some point it's like, I could be doing better things right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of soothing though. Right? Well, that stuff is. Like, yeah. To hear, to hear, like, yeah. It's kind of like, so like it's a soothing to hear somebody from your perspective. Yes. Talk about Honestly, you know what I've found is a really great, um, uh, different option to get rid of those things because it's nonstop. It's five days a week. It's multiple hours. Um, last week tonight with John Oliver, I think kicks yeah. the ass mm -hmm. of so many of those news shows. And he does mm -hmm. really good in-depth reporting on what is billed as a comedy show on HBO. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. That's a great show. They did a thing on the police. Yes. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. That was mm -hmm. really good. Really good. Very well done. It was a half hour and it really took you from start to finish, like why the police are so yep. fucked up. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So I try and substitute with that. Ideas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, cause he trying to make you laugh. Right. But he's trying to make you yeah. think and he's trying to make you remember mm -hmm. it. And when you laugh and you know, this as a comedian, you remember things more when you laugh. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. That's true. Very true. Um, so let's talk for a second about, um, online, like news sources, as far as like, where do you go to fact check your th different things that you read? Like, is there like a, a news tab or like when you go to Google to look for something, uh, what's your process for trying to find out whether or not it's true? Um, I am a big fan of using the Google news tab after I've done a search for something and then looking at, and it sorts in, in reverse chronological order. So from the most recent, and so you can see if this is a story that other reputable news outlets are covering, if you hear breaking news about okay. this. And this is kind of a superficial example, but I always think of, you know, I swear once a year, somebody posts on Facebook that they're really sad that Metal Ark Lemon just died at the Harlem Globetrotter. And I'm like, dude, he died <laughs> in 2015. You gotta look at yeah. the dates. <laughs> so you, yeah. And same yeah. thing with people sharing information that, you're like, oh my God, is this true? I can't believe I didn't know about this. Look at the date on the story when you click on it. It should be near mm -hmm. the top of the story. Um, a, an example that's not Metal Ark Lemon related, but um, recently there were people sharing this picture of uh, Governor Whitmer doing a beer tasting and they were all up in arms about how she was ignoring all of the, the quarantine pictures from a year ago. But somebody was sharing yeah. it. And so suddenly it was uh -huh. like, oh my God, it's happening right now. So you have mm -hmm. to look critically at that, you know, look at the date of when things were posted, um, you know, go to Snopes. I mentioned that earlier, go to Snopes and, and type in some keywords from, from the information you've got. And it's very possible they've written about something being true or not true there. Factcheck.org mm -hmm. is another good site. Um, and that's okay. more for, for the political side of things, but they do a good job um, telling you what's true and what's not. And I, it um, honestly surprises me but it's still a thing that people don't recognize that the first five or six results in a Google search have the word ad on top of them. And somebody is right. purchasing the placement 
to be at the top of your list of search. So you can think that that is the best or the most or the, you should buy that or believe that or whatever it is. So always make sure what you're clicking on doesn't say add next to it. It seems so simple, but it's so, you know, You'd prevalent, think. right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so let's talk about Google search yeah. for a second. Like people, so I'm trying to find the right way to, to ask this question. Is it okay? Take off, put on my lawyer hat uh -huh. for a second, right? Got it. These is leading questions. <laughs> so, so is it true that oftentimes the first result that you see in a Google search isn't first because it's the best? That's yeah, that's absolutely true. I think that um, okay. it, it's it's about uh, traffic. It's it, now okay. I will say that Google is working harder to get better at that in terms of. Uh, giving less privilege and visibility to information that is incorrect. And I apologize if you're hearing my dog okay. barking in the background. Oh, that's okay. This is, this is a family, this is a family podcast. Yes. Everybody has pets and, 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 and everybody's everything. home with them right now. Exactly. Um, and so, yes, it's possible that if some, some website that might not be the most truthful or the most accurate choice um, could rise to the top in that kind of a search, um, so you do, again, want to be critical looking at the sources that those things are coming from. Okay. Okay. And so, you know, it might, so it might behoove you to go to maybe the second or third page of the thing to see if there's something that's, that might hit dead on. It's right? always amazing to me, and I'm guilty of this too, how often do you go to page two on Google? Like almost, mm -hmm. people almost never do. Because yeah. once you've gotten good at Googling things, you should get most of the results you're looking for in that first page. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, people very often don't go another page deeper to look for anything clarifying or supporting mm -hmm. in that way. So, okay, so let's stop for a second. So you said when you get good at Googling, like what do you mean by that? Like types of like searches or you can, you there's a way you can search Google to get better results than just typing in what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the best things that's happened recently, recently in the past few years with Google is autocomplete. It's like a best and worst thing because like sometimes you get really mm -hmm. great um, suggestions for how to phrase what you're looking for that mm -hmm. way. And other times you get stuff that is just like completely insanely ridiculous and doesn't, you know, you were, yeah. you were typing in something that started with C-A-N and it's like, were you looking for cannibalism? No, I wasn't. Like, that's no. not what I'm looking for. But yeah. I think um, the, the example I always use, I, I'd like to use, um, my wife Betsy is a former cops and courts reporter. And what she taught me is if you're trying to find out about uh, something bad that's happened to someone, don't Google their name and the word um, convicted or guilty or, or something related to that. Google their name and the word charged because that's going to be, that's going to take you to the news story that if something was written about them, that's going to tell, that's going to start that chain of information that'll take you through to what you're looking for. Mm. Were they charged with something? Nice. Not okay. were they um, convicted of it, not were they, you know, jailed for it, whatever it is, charged. Okay. All right. And then, all right. So you can just use that to just kind of follow your way yep. through it. That's, that's snake right there. <laughs> it is. You, right you, I was going to say, use that later. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole, it's a whole lot of people. I'm going to put their name. <laughs> yep. <charged. exactly. laughs> yeah. That's right. I'm, and I'm dropping a dime on right. people. I'm going on live. I'm going live on Instagram tonight. <laughs> it's going to be a whole lot of motherfuckers. I'm na I'm naming them. <laughs> right. Right. We throwing it out there. Um, so one of the things, if you're like me, you depend on social media, maybe too much, but you know, it's, it's a constant mm -hmm. thing. Like it's always prevalent, like it's everywhere. It's everywhere you turn. Like Facebook is essentially a monopoly at this mm -hmm. point, right? Mm -hmm. So I spend a lot of time on there, maybe way more than I should, but I think that I've done a decent job at kind of curating mm -hmm. my friends list. You know, like I've gotten rid of, I haven't seen anybody that supported the Confederate flag thing. So that's a good thing. Thank God. Um, what steps can we take to kind of protect ourselves on social media as far as the, the receiving fraudulent information? Mm -hmm. So I, I have some tips that aren't going to sound like they all belong together, but I kind of use them all for the same purpose in certain ways. First of all, um, unfriend people on their birthday. 
uh, you know, you get that <laughs> note from Facebook that tells you whose birthday it is. And have you ever opened that? Mm -hmm. And you're like, how am I still friends with that guy? Unfriend them because Facebook has just reminded you that you were still friends with that guy. And people are going nice. to be getting a bunch of other notifications of people saying happy birthday and they're never going to notice you disappeared. So get those people out. A. Damn, that's slick. <laughs> um, the other thing is uh, I am a big fan of using my friends for their knowledge. So the same way we trust friends to talk, talk to us about good restaurants or good books to read or what to watch on Netflix, that kind of thing. Find the people in your circle who you trust to share good information, who are consistently sharing true, valuable, relevant, interesting news. And then go to each of their profile pages and click see first on them. You are one of those people in my in my Facebook oh, group. Okay, awesome. Because you right. find the voices you trust and you want to hear from, Facebook lets you figure out how to hear from them the most. Because whenever it resorts and doesn't show you a top story or doesn't show you most recent, it goes to top stories. And if you were like me, you'd always get super frustrated because you're like, why is it showing me this old shit? I don't want this right now. But mm -hmm. if you've chosen a bunch of friends under C first, their content is going to pop up at the top for you in top stories. And then you will have better access. It's a way to kind of curate and, and sift out some stuff in your feed and just get to the stuff you really want to see that way. And then be that nice. friend for other people. Start sharing stuff mm -hmm. that you know is trusted and vetted and accurate and true and give people actions to do. I mean, I think we've been doing this for a while on social media, but I think people are finally more broadly paying attention to it because of the times mm -hmm. we're in. And so I think right. people who previously were not speaking up and not sharing things are feeling more empowered to do so. So show them how to do it. And, and I'm, I don't mean mm -hmm. you specifically because dear God, you've done enough work in that regard, but so, I just mean like white people get better at this, like share actionable things that people can be doing and learning and helping with and take that burden off of people of color and put it on us too. So I'm going down a different path on this now too. But in mm -hmm. general, I mean, I mean that about so much of what we do on social media, but that specifically right now. And so find those people who you want to pay attention to and really pay attention to them. If you can't unfriend some people for whatever political family reason or whatever, you can unfollow them, you know, go to their page and choose mm -hmm. unfollow and their shit won't show up in your feed anymore. And you can just pretend they don't exist. You can also nice. lock them yeah. down and have them not see a bunch of your stuff if you don't want them to. Um, so Facebook has controls that I think people don't often think to use. Um, right. Another one that I actually was just using an hour before you and I hopped on this was, um, so we see all these people sharing uh, posts from not the actual like Costco or Delta Airlines or Walmart or Kohl's saying, you know, if you share this post, you might win a $1,500 gift card and they share it and they say, you know, this won't hurt. You know, I'll just give it a shot. Maybe this is great. What happens with those groups? So first of all, look at them and see how many fans they have. Like Kohl's has 11 million fans. They don't have the 11,000 that like Kohl's fans has, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So in two months, some Russian troll farm is going to change that account over that you've now liked and followed and shared content from, and they're going to share a bunch of bullshit leading up to the election. So go through your likes. This is what I just did. Go through your likes on Facebook and unlike stuff that you don't recognize or that doesn't have a blue check mark next to it, verifying that it's an actual account from a professional person or organization or whatever it is. Um, because a lot of times that stuff will end up in your feed and you don't even know how you let it in. Damn. That's man. I didn't know. I had no, no idea that that's what they did, you know, cause I, I'm gonna go look after this cause I'm sure it's a lot of shit I mm -hmm. like too. Well, and also it's a good way to get rid of problematic stuff you liked a long time ago. And now you know what they're really like, and you can be like, Oh no, I don't need yeah. to like them anymore. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I think yeah. about it in I terms remember. of all the time I spend on Facebook, just mindlessly scrolling. And now I'm like, no, I got to get in there and do some work on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's been kind of a sea change with that. Um, for the longest time, you would hear people say it's okay to have people of differing opinions on Facebook and all that other stuff. And no, like there's a difference in opinion and then there's like a difference in like values. Humanity. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, we could just call it that mm -hmm. too. I mean, it's like, 
when you those people are doing active damage to your capacity to tell real from fake if you keep them mm-hmm. around absolutely so it's you know they're like harming mm-hmm. you and you know even though it doesn't seem it seems very you know non-aggressive if you just keep them and just oh that's uncle so-and-so and you just scroll mm-hmm. by it but that's contributing to more garbage in your in your yeah. feet so well and facebook also recently has added that info um button that pops up when somebody shares a story from a news site that'll tell you about that source that'll give you some information and context about the website and 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 it vets it for you in a little bit of a, a way that it didn't previously. So I've followed some links before and then gone to read about on their about page to see what they're like and been like, okay, no, that's not one I'm going to follow anymore. Mm-hmm. But conversely, I've also found somewhere it's like, I did not know about this site, but they've got really good content and they seem vetted and trusted. So yes, I will follow. Okay. Them. All right. Awesome. So, okay. So I got a, I got a question for you. Now this may sound kind of weird. It's kind of a weird <laughs> question, but l- let's say you get a computer. It's brand new. It's blank and nothing on it. Right. And you want to kind of set up your internet browsing to keep out as much garbage as possible. Like what would you do if given that opportunity? Well, part of it has nothing to do with the computer being new because if you've got a Google account, Google knows what you've been looking at. Uh, they know what you've been searching. Okay. And unless you've been using incognito tab 100% of the time, even then they still know some about what you've been looking at. Um, so it's a little bit it, like you would maybe also have to start with a brand new email account um, from ah, a different server okay. too, because your email address, any place you've been logged in and created accounts, it's all, it, it is able to be mined by the people who are spending enough money and doing enough work to do it. Um, having okay. said that, I mean, there are businesses that are starting to pop up a little bit more. I mean, I drive I-75 uh, now and then, and I'm seeing a lot of billboards now for, I can't even remember the name of the company, but they're, they claimed to be protecting your identity and, and all of your information if you browse through their website um, and keeping you as locked down as you can be. You can use Google's incognito tab, which does keep some stuff from being tracked about you. Um, But the bottom line is we're using all of these free tools and we are paying with our information and our our connection to these things. So the only way to avoid it is just not to use any of it. Yeah. I mean, we are no longer the customers. We're the product and the businesses are the customers. So, um, yeah, I'd shudder to think when they look at my Google search history. <laughs> it's so true. I'm, I just, hey, I'm keeping it 100. It's, it's, uh, it's not fit for man or beast on I that. tell people uh, all the time, you know, I ask people all the time, would you be more comfortable sharing your salary and weight or the last five Google searches that you have? <laughs> oh, no, I don't have shame. <laughs> no, no, not a shame, but I mean, like some, some <laughs> people do, like, though. Hey, here, this is what <laughs> yeah. it is. Hey, you right. got me. Um, <laughs> it's a... Uh, I'm trying to think, hold on this for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there anything else on your notes that we haven't gotten to yet that you want to make sure to Well, cover? the one thing I didn't talk about that kind of steers it back in the direction of actual trusted media sources is the, the editorial versus the op-ed versus yes. sponsored okay, content. Yeah. Yes. Okay. One of the places it gets a little dicey in terms of uh, trusted news sources, very well-established news sources, is when you get into editorials and op-eds. And I think a lot of people who are not in the news business or who aren't rabid consumers of news think those terms are interchangeable, and they're not. So an editorial is an opinion piece that reflects the position of the news organization. It's meant to influence public opinion, so that is true. It, It does take a stand. But the content is agreed on by a committee. It's senior editors, it's business managers, it's reporters, it's other staffers. Editorials are typically voted on by editorial boards, which include people of a variety of backgrounds and jobs. So while they are opinion, they're usually well-researched opinions of a larger balanced group of people. And so they are, they are the voice of the news organization. The term op-ed comes from print journalism. It referred to content that was opposite the editorial page in a newspaper. So because of this placement, people often assume that op-eds are vetted in the same way an editorial is, but they're not. 
These are written by guest writers who most often are not journalists. They're sharing their viewpoint, their opinion, and yes, it could be their agenda as well. This doesn't automatically mean what they're writing is wrong. It just means it's coming from a particular angle and they're working to persuade you to make their case. So while editors get to choose which op-eds they're publishing in the paper, the pieces aren't held to the same standards and the same vetting that an editorial is. Look at what just happened at the New York Times with their editorial page editor resigning after they published a send in the troops op-ed by a US Senator who was calling for a military response to the civic unrest. It didn't get vetted properly. That was properly. Tom Cotton, yeah. right? Yeah, and the editorial yeah. didn't get vetted okay. properly. And there are consequences when that happens because it significantly undercuts a news organization's credibility. So if it is an editorial that is the voice of that news organization, again, it is meant to persuade you. It's, you know, it's when news organizations um, endorse a candidate or speak about some uh, local issue that they are taking a stand on, uh, some civic or, or economic issue, that kind of thing. Um, but an op-ed will be uh, a, maybe a lobbying firm that wants people to vote in a particular way on an upcoming ballot issue, and they will make their case about it that way. Okay. And then sponsored content. Sponsored content right? gets even trickier because it is delivered under the umbrella of a trusted news organization. It can be in print, it can be online, that kind of thing. But it, these, these actually been around for a long time when they were called advertorials, which was like an advertising editorial. Mm -hmm. But now they're, they're either sponsored content or partner content, and they're designed to look like regular news content except they've purchased mm. the ability to tell that story. So when you look closely, you should actually see the phrase sponsored content or partner content somewhere uh, on the page, whether the web page or printed page. It's usually in place of a byline, for instance. Um, but okay. those companies are paying for placement of the content to specifically promote a product or a service or an idea in the style of a news article with honestly the intention of confusing you and making you think that, oh, well, this is news, so this must be good. So they're, they're doing it to push their agenda, if you will. So it's not always nefarious. It's usually about shopping or, or eating or some kind of mm -hmm. consumer related thing, but it certainly can be. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because I know, I know, I thought an op-ed editorial, I thought those were the same yep. thing. And most people do. Yeah. 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 Okay, so it, that helps. That helps to know the difference between those. Because I used to get confused when I would read like New York Times and I would see stuff that was just like, damn, that's, they all. Right, that? right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's kind of fucked right. up. But, all right. All right, yeah. good. Um, so is there, when it comes to journalism and it comes to objectivity, like, are there any books or any like websites that you would recommend people go to to like learn more about Honestly, it? following ProPublica and Pointer Institute and Pointer is P-O-Y-N-T-E-R. Um, they're both okay. really, really good trusted sources um, as are PBS and NPR for the same reasons that these are, you know, these are nonprofit organizations um, that are invested in, in news and in accuracy and, and, upholding those standards. Um, the Knight Foundation is also a really good organization. They do a lot of support in terms of community journalism. They've been hosting um, Facebook Live uh, sessions leading up to the election, talking about you know being a critical consumer of news media that way. Um, and so I think that those, the organizations who, who are, that are built on that kind of reporting work, but also upholding those standards are the ones I turn to. Okay, so you say night is that with, a K. with an N or is it K N? Yep, K N. Okay, okay. All right, write that down. Awesome. So, is there anything else that you want folks to know? Is there anything that we miss? Is there like any? Are there any like mistakes that you kind of made early in your journalistic career that you kind of learned from? You're like, ah. I learned you got to listen to people. Um, you, re you really do okay. that. I mean, we need to seek out opinions that are not the same as ours. Um, that doesn't mean I have the stomach to watch Fox news, but it does mean that I need <laughs> to pay attention to other sources, um, that are telling me things mm -hmm. that I maybe don't want to hear, but need to hear. Like I said at the, you mm -hmm. know, early on that, um, I'm an Obama fangirl, but you know, I also need to pay attention at, to and recognize that he was not perfect. 
and you need to know those mm -hmm. things and, and understand them. Mm -hmm. um, I think the same way we talk about all politics as local, we need to emphasize the importance of political action and engagement on the local level, but also in journalism. We need local journalism. Okay. We need to support it. We need journalists who are holding entities and politicians and governments and municipalities accountable for what they do. We need those watchdogs. We also need to hold them accountable. Um, you know, but they they need to earn our trust, and then we need to let them do their jobs. And you know, I think probably the thing that has scared me most um, since 2016 is watching just the vitriol toward reporters and toward journalists. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, as as glad as I am to be on the career path that I'm on, and and not in a newsroom anymore man, does it hurt my heart to see that for, for people who are, you know, mm -hmm. are friends of mine who are still in the business. And I, I tell people that I left journalism, not because I didn't believe in journalism, because I, I, I believed I needed a different job because I, I was going to be mm -hmm. downsized, but I, I still believe in it. And I, I think I'm consuming more journalism now than I was even when I worked in a newsroom, because I feel like it's more urgent now. Um, you know, I didn't yeah. previously have subscriptions to the Washington Post and the New York Times, and I do now, but I also have right. local subscriptions. And I think that it's important for us to pay attention. Thank you so much. Is there anything that you want to plug? Anything you want people to know? Where can people go find you? Well, if, if they need an editor, <laughs> they can find me at robinminersports.com. Um, and, I, and I really do love working with um, people who just need some help telling their stories. I, I really love doing that. Um, you know, I, I, it's so different now. I went from a job and a position in my life where I was very visible and loved promoting a lot of stuff about myself and about the work that I do. And I, I don't know if it's a function of age or it's a function of the work I do now, but like, mm. I really enjoy just kind of being on my own and, and, and doing mm -hmm. what I like doing. And, you know, actually to tie back into some of the objectivity in journalism, you know, um, when I was at the newspaper, we couldn't have a political yard sign. We couldn't have bumper stickers on our cars that, you know, let, let anybody know oh. be, because you can't, you can't, say i am i am not objective in this way that you, you publicly it yeah it seems fair and after yeah. i left the paper i was so excited to finally put a bumper sticker on my car and it took me six months <laughs> to get up the courage to do it because i was still so afraid that somebody was going to know what kind of opinion i had and it was for bigby coffee for god's sake like that's an opinion you know like, <laughs> <laughs> but it was such a big deal to do that because it was so yeah. not allowed in my old life yeah yeah that's funny. It it could be an opinion if you wanted to call it beaners. Remember, people exactly. yep. used to call it that, and they changed it because that shit is insensitive yeah. as fuck. And people were like, right. "What? I can't." Yeah, so true. People, so true. Idiots. We were around changing all this stuff because it hurts people's feelings, and the only thing people can say is, "Yeah, right. but yeah." So exactly. <laughs> like, okay, well, you sir right. are a shithead. Um, all right, so. All right. So thank you. Thanks again for doing this. Thanks this for inviting me, Robert. I, I had I, such I'm, a good time talking yeah, with you. Yeah. Yeah. All me right. Too. So you take care. All right. Bye. Well, everybody, that was the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I've been Robert Jenkins, and this has been How to Survive in America. <laughs>